So, um, I don't know. It's been a pretty incredible semester, no? How many of you guys, raise your hand if it's your first semester at Emmaus. Right? Has it been good? Has it been good? All right, Christian. I hear you. Um, it's been an incredible semester. And personally for me, uh, I've grown so much uh, with my walk with the Lord, uh, along with my brothers and sisters at SNU. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think I've been reflecting on this past semester and how, uh, for those of you who was with us in the beginning of the semester, we had joint large group in the beginning of the semester here. And we had a night of worship called Come to the Altar, right? Come to the Altar. And you know what? When I first walked in here tonight, I saw some of your faces at that first joint large group meeting. And let me tell you right now, you might not notice it, but your face looks completely different. Like, Sharon. Seriously. Sharon? Yo, for real. I I saw you in, you know, you look completely different. You're like shining. You're so radiant, right? And I just really feel like God has been moving in your life. Amen? Yeah. And uh, Joint Large Group was there. Gauntlet was there. Yeah. Even though SNU came in second place. And then Yonsei came in last. I guess KU took the first one. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, we can't forget those who came to the New Philly retreat entering God's rest. Was it not powerful? Wow. Come on. And then, of course, the large groups. And then, of course, the familias. Uh, just the face-to-face times of discipleship, just the quality time that our crew and our stutters have just, you know, sewn into people. And it's good. So much connection. And then last week was, a couple of days ago, was Emmaus Banquet, right? Stutters planned that. And after that, we had a wild, wild dance party, right? And uh, I pretty much embarrassed myself, right? But MVP of the night, where's Albert? Is Albert here? Oh, he didn't make it out today. Man, Albert, he killed it. (laughs) Albert killed it. Uh, So I want to give a shout out to Albert, and just in case you listen to this. So semester in and semester out, God has moved powerfully through the ministry of Emmaus. And it's a privilege to come through Emmaus. It's a privilege to come through Emmaus. God has done special things. So many people getting saved. So many people receiving healing and deliverance, so many people being set free, so many people finally discovering who they are, so many people actually discovering that God loves them for the first time. Emmaus is a powerful ministry. And you know what? God's not done yet. God's not done yet. This semester, even tonight, and even in the summer, God is not done yet. He's only just beginning, and especially those who are leaving back home, You know, the God of Emmaus is the same God that is going to go with you. Nothing to worry about, right? And for those who are leaving, I just want to encourage you and say, you know, it's not about Emmaus. And it's not even about the forms of worship. It's really about the God behind, underneath all that, right? So I want to encourage you, don't be tricked into worshiping form. And don't be tricked into worshiping, you know, a ministry or even a community, but forget the main source, which is Christ himself. Amen? All right. So, um, yeah, tonight's word is going to be very important. It's going to be critical for tonight. And uh, I know that it's finals week, right? Is it finals week? Okay, okay. <laughs> this week, next week. I didn't mean to remind you guys of this, but I want to thank you guys for showing up. It's really good to see your faces again. And... Uh, God is going to honor that. God's going to honor that. Uh, He's going to show you guys a lot of grace for coming out as you guys study. Okay, so no need to worry. I'm not saying don't study, right? But, um, you know, God will honor your hunger for coming out. And he's going to bless you tonight. Um, Before we start, I'm going to open us up in prayer. Open us up in prayer. Um, Tonight's word is actually a difficult word. It's a word that's going to be a little hard to swallow. It's a word that you guys might be tempted to let unbelief creep in. You guys might be tempted to think to yourself, how can this possibly apply to me? You guys might check out.
But I'm going to pray right now that God would pour out fresh faith tonight. Fresh faith tonight to believe what I'm going to preach. All right? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the testimony of Jesus in every single life here. And right now, I just release faith, fresh faith over every heart here right now. Let unbelief subside in the name of Jesus. Let jadedness subside in the name of Jesus. And I pray that your word in and of itself would pierce our hearts like never before right now. We thank you for this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's get into the word of God. Let's turn to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 to 26. Galatians 5, 13 to 26. Galatians 5, 13 to 26, and I'm going to be reading from the ESV, and you know what? Let the Word of God in and of itself speak to you. Before I even give, like, you know, fancy quotes and sermons and illustrations and all like that, let the Word of God in and of itself, the living, you know, God-breathed Word right here, let it speak to you in and of itself, right? So here we go. For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Verse 16. But I say... Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before. That those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. The conviction is real. (laughs) Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Amen. Man, I'm preaching. I feel so convicted, bro. (laughs) Uh, Tonight, I'm going to speak to us. I'm going to speak to us about what it means to walk in the Spirit. What does it look like to live a spirit-filled life? That's what I'm going to talk talk about today. And basically, another translation says, what it means to keep in step with the spirit. Um, You see, if you are a true Christian here, for the Christians, born-again Christians in the house, uh, when you became a Christian, you know, the Holy Spirit moved in. He moved in. He lives in you, rearranging things around. Right? And Holy Spirit served as a seal in your heart to guarantee your salvation. For your assurance of salvation. That's good news. The Holy Spirit is like a down payment. A down payment. Modern day terms, it's like an engagement ring. That sounds bad. 
an engagement ring, right? And in the future, when Jesus comes back to marry the church, that's when the marriage is. To guarantee your salvation. To guarantee that you and I, we are children of the Most High God. That's what the Holy Spirit does. But not only that, you know, functionally, the Holy Spirit lives inside of us and fills you and I for many other reasons. For many other reasons. I love Holy Spirit. Do you guys love Holy Spirit? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What does it mean to not only have the Holy Spirit living in us, but for us actually to walk in the Spirit? Day after day, to walk according to the Spirit. And now when I say Spirit, I'm talking about, what's Spirit's first name? The Holy Spirit, right? Holy Spirit, right? <clears throat> That's not theologically correct, right? The Spirit of God is not only a down payment and the seal of our salvation, but to make it very simple, let me tell you, let me break it down for you. There's two main reasons why the Holy Spirit lives in us. One, to make us more like Christ. Very simple, right? And two, to do the things that Christ did. I could just end right here, right? The Holy Spirit lives in you, and the Holy Spirit comes upon you and fills you to be, help you be like Christ and to do the things that Christ did. But most Christians... Not anybody in here, right? But most Christians, actually, including myself, uh, have not tapped into that purpose. Have not tapped into that purpose. Most Christians become saved, but don't really walk in the Spirit day by day. I can relate. Instead, they walk according to the ways of this world and according to the ways of our flesh. And when I say flesh, and when this passage says flesh, it's talking about our sinful nature. Right. To walk in the Spirit, Jesus must be our Savior and our Lord. You know, there are too many Christians that says that Jesus is my Savior. Jesus has saved me. I am saved. He's the guarantee of my salvation. But not many people call Jesus their Lord and their King. They say, Jesus, I'll give you the permission to save me. You know, I'll, I'll give you the permission to rescue me. You can save me. You can forgive me of all my sins. But you can't have my life. You can't have my life. That's what lordship is. Everybody say lordship. Lordship means this. Lord, anytime... Anywhere, anything, yes, Lord. Lordship means this. Lord, anytime, anywhere, anything, yes, Lord. With joy. Because you love me and because I love you. That's Lordship. But many Christians do not do that. Um, this semester, and however long you guys have been in Emmaus, uh, there's been so many testimonies. Think about your own life. Think about people in your familia. There have been so many testimonies. So much breakthrough. So much salvation. I mean, that's something to praise God about. People being saved. The course of their souls eternally being changed and shifted. That's a huge deal. People being saved. People being healed and delivered. People experiencing joy for the first time. People sharing things that they've never shared before. Burdens falling off. The list goes on. So many things have happened here. But allow me to give you an illustration. Let's say that this line right here is the course of our lives, right? And as we're living life, you know, we fall into sin, right? We get hurt. Someone abuses us. We, we need healing and we, deliver, we need deliverance, right? And many times God, all the time, God meets us, he heals us, he forgives us of our sins, and we come back up to, let's call this line ground zero. 
ground zero. But I'm here to tell you today that Jesus did not die on the cross and adopt us as his children so that we can live ground zero lives. You know, the destiny that you and I have is to jump off of ground zero. So the problem is that people think life is all about being saved, being healed, being delivered, self-preservation. I'm doing healthy. I'm doing okay. So everything is all good. But let me tell you what, that only brings us to ground zero. But every single one of you guys here, God has a specific purpose and powerful destiny for your lives. We're not meant to park at ground zero. Amen? Here's the thing. Maybe some of us are bored with Christianity. Maybe some of us are, are tired to go on all these, all these events, having to read the Bible all the time, having to worship all the time. I don't even want to dance. Da, 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 da. Can I propose to you, maybe this whole time you've been living ground zero or under? You know, what it means to walk in the Spirit, live life Spirit-filled, is to walk above ground zero. You know, the Bible calls you and I more than conquerors. The Bible calls you and I co-heirs with Christ. My friend once told me, some people think God's boring. God's not boring. You're boring. I, I just said, my friend said that because I didn't want to say it just to save my face. <laughs> All right, let me ask you guys a question. Uh, it's a pretty deep question, all right? If you were Satan, if you were Satan, how would you attack you? Right? If you were Satan, how would you attack you? Isaac, how would you attack you? Right? You know, <laughs> Satan knows what you and I were made for. You know, Satan knows our destiny. You know, Satan will work overtime to prevent us from walking in our destinies. You know, the first mission of Satan is to prevent salvation. To get people to not believe in God, right? That makes sense. But he fails. That's why you and I are here, right? Hallelujah. But he ain't going to stop there. He's going to try to bring things in our lives to damage us, to bring shame to our lives, to instill fear in our lives. Bring us in places where we need healing and deliverance. He's trying to bring us down and he'll kick us while we're down there. But again, God's love is too strong. He cannot prevail. So what's the next thing he does? Is to keep you and I at ground zero. He already failed the first two steps. The next thing that Satan will do, and what he's even doing right now, <clears throat> is to keep you and I in walking in our flesh and not walking in the spirit. Walking in the spirit, let me say again, is living above ground zero. Amen? So we need to stop striving for ground zero. You know, let me just, let me just make the ceiling higher for you. Right? So many of us think, and the goal of our lives and what we strive for is really to get to ground zero. Everything is circumstantial. Oh, I just need to be healed. I'm not doing well because I'm hurting. Right? But there's so much more for us. There's so much more. So I want to share with you what the spirit-filled life looks like. What does life look like beyond ground zero? And for a lot of my life, I was deceived into thinking, this is, this is the goal of Christianity, live the Christian life. Much of my Christian life, I actually lived like that. And it got really boring. 
But it was not until I, I began to hang out with some brothers and sisters back in Virginia. And there was something so different about the way they walked with the Lord. I can confidently say that looking back, these are people that did walk in the Spirit. And, and something in my heart, my spirit just, just was, you know, just pulled to them. Something about them, the way they walked, the way they carried themselves, my spirit was just so hungry, I wanted what they wanted. And later on, I found out that these were people that deny the flesh. These are people that do walk in the spirit. These are people that do live more than conquerors. You know, I would roll with them, and then they would just see some guy with, with a cast, straight run to them. And they run, they race, they're like, I'm going to get him first, I'm going to get him first. <laughs> no fear. And they just pray for him. Right? Can you guys just imagine for a second? Some of you guys, you guys are already disqualifying yourself. You know, can you guys imagine yourself doing this? Living in authority. And you will. You will. Because that is God's destiny for you. And God is the author and perfecter of your faith. And he will get you there. He will get you there. Amen? So tonight I want to share three points of what it means to walk in the spirit. Right? Three that I just thought of. There's so much more. Right? I'm going to make it very simple for you. You guys alive? You guys good? Alright. Number one. Walking in the Spirit means to live in the character of Christ. Look to your neighbor and say, character matters. Character matters. Right? You know, the Holy Spirit is in you to help you and to shape you into being more like Christ in His character. Right? Look at verse 22. You guys know this. But let me read it again. I'm going to read it slowly and let the Holy Spirit just, just convict some of us, right? Verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, oh, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. How about that last one? Self-control. Is your heart a fruitful vineyard? Right? Do you see yourself growing in the character of Christ? Every single one of these fruit is a manifestation of who Jesus is. And every single one of these fruits is what Jesus wants to produce in you and I. If we choose to walk in the Spirit. Amen? So to make it simple, it's this. Living in the flesh basically means living in selfishness. That's what it comes down to. But walking in the spirit means, means to live in selflessness and holiness. All right? Let's read verse 19 to 23. All right? 19 to 23. This part's not so pretty. Now the works of the what? Flesh are evident. Sexual immorality impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things that, da 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 That's a lot. And if you begin to examine these things, they all have to do with gratifying yourself. They're all fruits of selfishness. They're all fruits of walking in the flesh. You know, the first list that we read, the fruits of the Spirit, the first list has everything to do with Christ. Right? Actually, let's, let's look at it by sequence, right? The first list, according to the Bible here, is everything we just read about, you know, sexual immorality. The second list is what it means to walk in the Spirit. You guys with me? So the first list has nothing to do with Christ. The second list has everything to do with Christ. The first list is the ways of the world. The second list is the ways of a kingdom citizen. The first list 
is what it looks like to walk in the flesh. And the second list is what it looks like to walk in the spirit. Right? And I want to talk about holiness a little bit. Holiness. When I say holiness, does that word excite you? When I say holiness, does that word excite you? Let's live holy lives. Yes. Does it? You know, for the longest time in my life, I always thought holiness was avoiding sin. The first list that we read. I always thought in my life that holiness was all about avoiding sin and sin management. That's what it means to live holy for the Lord. But for the longest time, I fell again and again and again. Can anybody relate? But it's until that one day I got the revelation that holiness is not about avoidance, but holiness is about pursuit. Holiness is about pursuing a greater passion. So, so many of us, we read the Bible says, be holy for I am holy. And we try to sin manage. We try to say, I shouldn't get drunk. I shouldn't get drunk. One more beer. I shouldn't get drunk, right? I shouldn't have sex before marriage. Da, 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 da. Let me not do this. Let me not do this. But can I propose to you, even if you don't do those things, that that's not even holiness? What is avoiding all that if you're not going to pursue a greater passion? And that greater passion being Jesus Christ himself. That is holiness. You know, fighting all these sins, it comes naturally just like that. If you're falling more in love with Jesus. Does that not make sense? That's exciting. Holiness is exciting because it's about the pursuit of Jesus. It's about growing in revelation of who Jesus is. Don't ever tell me that holiness is a dull word. Don't ever tell me that. Happy holiness. Happy holiness. Amen? Yeah. So walking in the spirit, that first point is to live in the character of Christ. You become more like Christ. And the Holy Spirit helps you to do that as you draw near to Christ. As you fall more in love with him. You don't become more like Christ by avoiding sin. You become more like Christ by falling more in love with him. And the Holy Spirit helps us to do that. That's what it means to walk in the spirit. Second point, and I'm going to park longer on this one, is this. The second point of what it means to walk in the spirit is simple but deep. Walking in the spirit means to live in freedom. Live in freedom. Everybody say freedom. And this means not just to be free, but to stay free. So many people, they do H&D, healing and deliverance, and then they get free. And they testify, I'm free, I'm free. But they don't stay free. Why? Because they don't pursue Jesus. And they don't walk in the Spirit. And I want to encourage everybody in here, for those of you who did receive breakthrough and healing and deliverance in here, come on, let's run hard after Jesus. Let's run hard after Jesus. No, living in freedom means to walk according to heaven's patterns, not the patterns of this world. I'll say that again. Living in freedom, it says in verse 13, you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Living in freedom means to walk according to heaven's patterns, the culture of heaven, rather than the patterns of this world. So living according to the patterns of heaven is what it means to walk in the spirit. But what it means to walk in the patterns of this world is to walk in the flesh. You guys got that. You guys are smart people. Um, Many times we do not live in freedom because we live not according to the pattern of heaven, but we live according to the patterns of this world. But Romans 12, 2, it says, do not live according to the patterns of this world. Do not live according to the patterns of the world, right? But be transformed by the renewing of your mind, right? But if you're like me, there are times when I slip into walking in the flesh and get sucked into that life again. 
You know, I used this example before. Uh, if you heard it, I'm sorry, but you got to hear it again. You know, the Bible says that when you become saved, the old has gone and the new has come. The new has come, right? You are a new creation. Say, I am a new creation, right? It's like, I want you to imagine with me just yourself becoming a new creation and then, and then your old self in a body bag, right? But many times, you know what we do? We don't abandon that body bag. We carry that body bag around. And at certain times, you know what we do? We get back into that body bag and we live our old selves again. Walking in the Spirit means to live out your new creation self. I'm sorry for it being morbid, but that's the best way I can describe it for you. Um, In Ephesians 2, Paul talks about Paul equates the patterns of this world as the spirit of the age. Everybody say spirit of the age. Spirit of the age is this. It's Satan's influence through this world. Satan's influence through this world. And it's a fancy phrase meaning the culture of ways of this world that is influenced by Satan. I just flipped it around, right? (laughs) It works for me. And... Here's how I want to describe it to you. You know, when I first came to Korea, it's, almost, it's been almost four years now. And something that took a while for me to notice was the air quality. The air quality in Korea sucks because of what they call yellow dust. Right? But for me, when I first came to Korea, I actually didn't notice it. I didn't notice it. Some people are more sensitive to yellow dust than, than I am. You know, months after living here, I started feeling symptoms, and I started getting sick. And I I couldn't figure out what it was until somebody gave me the revelation that it may be caused by yellow dust. Something I can't see, something I didn't notice, right? And you know, the spirit of the age is just like that. The spirit of the age, you don't know it there. You don't know it. It's very subtle. But once you feel the symptoms of its effect on you, then you begin to notice, hey, there is this thing called the spirit of the age, the Satan's influence in our lives. But much like yellow dust, once you begin to notice it, once you begin to be aware of it, you start responding to it. So you start buying all these masks, right? You know, in the same way, you and I, we got to be aware of the spirit of the age. We got to be aware of the culture of this world. Because if you're, you and I are not aware of the culture of this world, then we will not respond to it. And its effect on us are detrimental. It will prevent us from walking in the spirit. In the spirit of the age, spiritual yellow dust <laughs> will get us to walking in the flesh. You guys with me? You know, how many of you guys like going to the beach? Raise your hand. I'm going to the beach this summer. I cannot wait, right? I love playing in the water. Every time I play in the water, I go out in those tube things. What's it called? A floater? Floating thing? And I just chill. I just chill there. Play, hang out with my friends. And you know what? What begins to happen is the, the colorful umbrella that you, you camped out at, that you put in the, the stand... What you begin to notice that it's not there anymore all of a sudden, right? You don't notice it, but what happens is you begin to drift. You begin to drift, drift, you don't feel it, you don't know it, and then you look on shore and you don't know where you are, right? You know, many times, if you and I are not aware of the spirit of the age, if you and I are not aware of what the enemy is doing through the cultures of this world today, we won't even notice it, but we'll be drifting, We'll be drifting. And now, I think I got smart enough now to keep checking now. And I have to intentionally uh, paddle, paddle the other way and go against the current. But you and I, we got we to gotta paddle spiritually. You know what I'm saying? We got to be aware of the culture of this world. And we need, we need to go against the tide. And to do that, You need to walk in the spirit. So what that means is this. In your spiritual lives, in your walk with the Lord, if you are complacent, if you are complacent, you will ultimately be led to walk in the flesh. 
you will drift. You will drift if you are complacent in your life. Basically, what I'm saying is, if you keep living your Christian life on ground zero, then you will drift. Because if you live your life on ground zero, what ends up happening is this. Oh, the next hardship comes. Oh, I need to get back to ground zero. Oh, this person hurt me. I need to forgive them, but it's so hard. I need to get back to ground zero. You'll drift. So complacency is something that we need to intentionally fight against. Amen? Walking in the spirit and walking in freedom means to fight complacency. You know, today's generation, I want to point out just a few things, just a couple of things about our culture, the spirit of the age, what the enemy is doing in this day and age today here in Korea, um, that we probably, that have probably caused us to veer off course some way or fashion. And the reason why I mentioned these few things is because I want you to be aware of it so that you can respond to it. Because when I started praying into this and I started asking God, God, how much of the culture of this world has really affected me without me not even noticing? He started beginning to show me so many things. So I'm going to name a few. Some patterns of this world that has affected us. The first is this. Our generation is known as the microwave generation. Everyone say microwave generation. You know, in this day and age where technology is so rampant, we have access to so much. You know, I heard someone say this. We as a generation here, we have, ever in history, we have the most access to, access to resources ever in history. But as a generation, we are the one who doesn't use it the most in a healthy way. And you know, microwave generation, we want things fast. We want things immediately. We want things handed to us on a silver platter. And you know what this means? And when I was thinking about this, I realized this. It seeps into your life as a believer. Why? Because all of a sudden, because we want things so fast, you and I, we forget how to seek God. Seek God. Which means... Not just read your Bible once and say, I don't understand it, and then, and then flip it. Seeking God, there has to be a persistence in your heart. But you know what? The culture of this world, this being a microwave generation, we have lost the heart of what it means to seek God with all of our hearts. I'm convicted of this too. I want things immediately. I want pastors to make sermons for me. I want... When I don't understand a passage, I go to brothers like Isaac and say, tell me what this means. Because I'm too lazy to seek God for it. Because I want everything handed to me on a silver platter. And there's a quote that says this. 95% of Christians read the Christian. The other 5% read the Bible. Right? Ouch. Right? And I want to encourage us. When we read the word of God, how many of you guys... Raise your hand if you love reading the Word of God. Yeah. No shame, right? You know, I've begun to recently, to be honest, falling in love with re reading the Word all over again. Right? And you know what I realized about myself? I don't know if you guys can relate. Is when I read the Word of God, <clears throat> I begin to fall into this worldly mentality, right? It's shaped me so much. So really, I read it. I don't understand it, so I just close it. Or I ask Isaac what it means. Right? He always knows what it means because he seeks God. Right? <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't want to, because of time, I don't want to go too deep into this one. Right? I'm kind of rabbit trailing right now. But the second thing I notice about our culture that's affected us as Christians is we're so entertainment based. We're so entertainment based. Many of us will go into um, withdrawal symptoms if we don't, if we're like half a day away from our phones and computers. Right? Seriously. Like, this phone is like our third arm. Really. <laughs> like, it affects us that much. Right? We're so addicted to what entertains us. And you know what this does? 
Check this out. You know what this does? When we're in a culture that's addicted to entertainment, it numbs our hearts from being in awe of who God is. You know, these days, as I'm beginning to spiritually detox these things out of my system, the, the, this yellow dust out of my system, you know, I'm beginning to form an awe in my heart once again. To the point where, like, I sit there and I look at this, this, like, wooden table I'm sitting. I'm like, this is amazing. God, you're, how can you influence man to make, wow, God, like, I'm just so in awe. The wonder is so restored, you know. But we're so polluted and we're so numb to mindless things that entertain us. You know, the enemy will get you in such subtle ways like this. It's not just blatant sins of smoking weed and having sex with everybody, right? It's, it's through these subtle ways. Am I being too, too much for you? And the third thing that I notice about this culture in our generation is this. In our generation, this young generation here, is there's no perseverance or endurance. <clears throat> you know, I have a mentor. He's about like 70-something years old. And one day he came to me. You know what he said? He said, John, you know what your generation is like? Your generation is like an eagle that flies in the air. And whenever the eagle sees a storm coming... He said, he said it. my generation is like the eagle that flies. When he sees a storm, the eagle flies straight through the storm. But the eagle comes out stronger. Your generation, you, your generation are like the eagles who see the storm and you fly, you want to fly above the clouds. And then you come out soft. You come out soft. Yeah. You know, my parents have been doing dry cleaning for the past like 25 years. Can you guys imagine doing one job for 25 years? How about five years? <laughs> we don't know how to persevere and endure. See, there's so many things about our culture that is, that is shaping us, that affects our spirituality and our walk with the Lord. These contribute to what the enemy is doing through the spirit of the age. All right? <clears throat> Bottom line, I'm convinced that this generation, we are the most selfish and self-seeking generation yet. Mercy. We are people that are so used to walking in the flesh. But I'm here to tell you tonight that tonight after we walk out these doors, <clears throat> we're going to swim against the current. Amen? We're going to be people who do walk in the spirit. Who do walk in freedom. Who do walk developing in their character in Christ. Amen? You know, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, it says that we are ambassadors for Christ. Everybody say ambassadors. ambassadors. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm an ambassador. You know, I live in Noksapyeong. I live in Noksapyeong with my brother David here and uh, alumni, Emmaus alumni, Jensen. Right? We live together, and then when we moved into our house, our house is actually located up a hill next to all these embassies. All these embassies. The Indian embassy, the, uh, the many embassies. <laughs> That's why I took the liberty to name our house the embassy. Yeah, yeah. I named our house the embassies because we also, are, we also are ambassadors. You see, these other embassies, they're ambassadors to represent a different land, right? See, our house, you know, we, repre we represent another land, and that's the kingdom of heaven, right? We're going home soon, right? We're not of this world. We're ambassadors. You and I, we are ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven, which means this. You and I, we have passports that do not need to be renewed, we don't need to go to the immigration office all the time. You and I have forever passports to be citizens of heaven. Come on, that's good news. We are citizens of heaven. But my question is this. If you're a citizen of heaven, how much of the culture do you know? We're more acquainted with the culture of this world than the culture of heaven. There's something wrong. You know, I was born in, in Korea, actually. And after one year, we moved to the U.S., when I came to Korea four years ago, I had dual citizenship. I had Korean citizenship, and I had U.S. citizenship. And the office told me that I had to go to the army, Kunde, for two years. I did not know. And that was going to disrupt with my plans. Right? Nothing against the army. Right, Isaac? By the way, 
Isaac, he just, he just served three years, right? And uh, he, he, last week he got uh, released. So let's just, give, let's just give honor where honor is due. Yeah, serving our country. So we have dual citizenship. And you know what I had to do if I did not want to deal with those consequences? I I had to renounce that citizenship, right? You and I, we have dual citizenship as well. You have the citizenship of heaven and you have the citizenship of this world because we are born into this world of sin. But too many of us are trying to live this dual citizenship life. But we need to live, we need to come to a point where we need to deny and sever and cut off that citizenship with the world. And start living kingdom standards. And start seeking what it means to live the culture of heaven. Anybody hearing me? There's so much in the culture of heaven. Once you start living in the culture of heaven, that's what it means to walk in the spirit. Amen? And my last is this. Walking in the spirit, my last point, walking in the spirit means... Living in authority to set others free. You know, my, my, my second point was, walking in the Spirit means to live free. Right? But my third point is, walking in the Spirit will eventually lead to setting others free. It's like when you're swimming and you're drowning, right? And somebody saves you from drowning, and then you decide to learn how to swim so you won't drown again, right? That's one thing, but the next step is actually to learn how to swim... To save other people from drowning. We have too many Christians that were drowning in their sin and their shame. And they got delivered by another believer. And, God, and they were getting discipled to teach, to learn how to swim. But you know what? There's too many Christians that are looking at other, other people drowning. And they're not doing anything about it. Anything about it. Gratifying the desires of our flesh. That's not walking according to what the Holy Spirit would do. You got to understand that. If you're walking in the Spirit, you know what's going to happen as we draw closer and closer to Jesus? You're going to start gaining a heart for this world. You're going to start gaining a heart for the lost. And you're going to start being blind to your selfish desires. The more you walk in the Spirit, the less you walk in selfishness. And you start to grow a heart, a deeper heart for the lost. How many of you guys want that? How many of you guys want that? You know, Jesus said, he commanded the disciples to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cleanse the lepers, to walk in power, healing, physical healing and inner healing. Many of you have received that. Freely you have received, but will you give? Will you give? And I'm here to tell you, do not disqualify yourself. Do not disqualify yourself. Stutters, I want to speak to you. Stutters, I want to say this. You guys have done an amazing job this semester. You guys have stepped it up. Students, are you guys thankful for the stutters or not? Right? You guys have taken steps to walk in the spirit and walk in your authority. But there's so much more for you. And some of you, I know, I know you guys are struggling a little bit this semester. Starting to disqualify yourself. Starting to feel discouraged. But let me tell you right now, keep walking in the spirit and seeking Jesus. You do have a destiny and God is faithful to it. Amen? I'm over time. Is that okay? Oh, I should finish. <laughs> you know, I want to um, I want to close in this, right? In Ezekiel chapter 37, right? Yeah, we can got the praise team to come up. Um, in Ezekiel chapter 37, and I'll close with this. You know, to outline my sermon to remind you guys, it was this. Walking in the spirit means to live according to kingdom culture not according to the patterns of this world. Walking in the Spirit means to live according to the character of Christ, the fruit of the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit means to live in freedom. And walking in the Spirit means to set others free. That's what it means to walk in the Spirit. Walking beyond ground zero. In Ezekiel chapter 37, the prophet Ezekiel, he has a vision. Many of you guys know this. It's in the vision statement of our church in Philly. And I want you guys to get this more than anything. So if you guys can pay attention to this. is when Ezekiel came to a valley, he saw a pile of dry bones. And the man told Ezekiel, prophesy to these dry bones to live. So what began to happen? 
all, the, all of a sudden, they started hearing a rattling, a rattling. And these bones began to move. These bones began to move. And then all of a sudden, these bones became skeletons. And they say in the end of the story that this mighty army arose from these dry bones. But let me point out to you this. When there was a rattling in the bones, the bones came together and there formed an army of just skeletons, okay? And then what began to happen next is this, as he prophesied. Flesh and sinew began to just attach to these bones. Flesh began to attach to these bones. And then, and then what happens? You get an army of mighty warriors? No. You get an army of corpses. Brothers and sisters, we have too many corpses filling the pews of our church today. We have too many corpses just living in the flesh. Acting like this is the purpose of being a Christian. But if you keep reading the story in Ezekiel 37, 30, 37 what happens is this. God begins to breathe. God breathes his breath. God breathes his spirit into the corpses. And that's when a mighty army rose up. That's when a mighty army rose up. Can we all stand to our feet? I want you to begin to just reflect on your life right now. Have I really been walking in the Spirit? Have I been someone who's been swept away by the Spirit of the age, walking in my flesh? Have I been living my life just trying to strive for ground zero, denying that God, a good God, has a destiny for my life? Am I just a corpse filling the pews of large groups? Am I just a corpse attending all these Christian meetings? Can I call myself a warrior? And I want you to just begin to converse with the Lord. Tonight can change the whole trajectory of your life, guys. I want you guys to take this time seriously. Just begin to talk with the Holy Spirit and say, Spirit of God, search my heart. Spirit of God, show me in my heart. Have I been living just as a corpse? Have I been walking in the Spirit? Are you just my Savior, Jesus? And I'm just going to give you a couple minutes, just you and the Lord. Don't look to your left. Don't look to your right. The person next to you does not matter right now. It's just you and the Lord. Spirit to move right now. Lives are going to shift today. Lives are going to transform tonight. Come on, let's pray. Let's stir it up. Jesus, come